And I go to the Lord's Supper and I think, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but okay, you know. Right. And I know that it's because of the hardness of my heart, and I can't always, I can't always pin that down and know exactly what's going on. Right. I can't fix it, and I can't fix it in the moment. Right. All the, I can do is yep. obey. The best you can do is follow the forms that can, that might help alleviate That's right. it. I'm William. I'm Dave. Dave is my pastor. Willie is a hospice chaplain. And we've been friends for more than 20 years. We've had thousands of conversations about things that matter and things that don't. So now we're inviting you to join in. Each week we pull a topic out of the hopper and we talk about it. This is the Hopper Podcast. All right. I'm going to start the reco- the, uh, the recorder this time. Uh, Yay. Uh, have you gotten all your profanity out? Mm, probably. All right. I'm going to go with likely. Likely. Okay. Well, if... No promises. <laughs> if I hear any more profanity, then I'm going to turn it off and we're going to restart. Okay. Well, you you shouldn't look at me then. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Fifth time is the charm. The fifth time is okay, the charm. Okay. Here we go. Uh, yes. We're starting with the hopper again. Uh-huh, uh, uh-huh. And Dave, I have... Um, been reading again a book that came out a number of years ago that I really love. It's called You Are What You Love by James K.A. Smith, Jamie Smith. And I wanted to read a couple paragraphs because uh, this is, I think, such an important book. And uh, there's a few paragraphs that I want to get your opinion on. All right. And it's about worship. About uh, I have heard this guy speak. Worship. Have you? I have. I've, I've not never read him speak. any of his books, but I, I've heard him speak, and I've talked with a friend afterward about the concepts that he okay. spoke. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I really like him a lot. Okay. So this is, he's in the middle of a, of a discussion about corporate worship. He says, mm-hmm. this is from page 74 of, the, uh, of his book, our sense of who is active in worship, he's talking about when churches get together to worship, should fundamentally challenge another widespread misconception that probably also taints how we hear the word worship. When we tacitly assume that we are the primary actors in worship, then we also assume that worship is basically an expressive endeavor. This is why we now constrict worship to the song service of our gathering the time in the service when we can express ourselves. We think of worship primarily in a bottom-up framework as a way for us to express our praise and show our devotion as if worship gathers us to perform for God as our proverbial audience of one. When we think about worship this way, then we also assume that the most important characteristic of our worship is that it should be sincere. If worship is expression of our devotion to God, then the last thing we want is to be a hypocrite. Our expression needs to be honest, true, fresh, genuine, and authentic. But this creates an interesting challenge because sincerity and authenticity tend to generate a penchant for novelty. If I worship in order to show God just how much I love him, I might start to feel hypocritical if I just keep doing the same thing over and over and over again. My expression will start to feel less authentic. And so we need to find a new way to worship. New way to show our devotion, fresh forms to express our praise, novelty is how we try to maintain the fresh sincerity of worship that is fundamentally understood as expression. Mm-hmm. I think that's just beautifully put. Very well written. Um, yeah, so my thoughts. I, yeah, um, yeah, what do you think about this? Uh, I agree with most of it, yeah. although I, I don't want to draw such polarizing or definitive lines. Okay. I'd like to say that there, obviously I want people to be authentic and uh, I think that there should be a new song that we're singing. And I know he's not, I don't think he's arguing that we should only sing old European hymns. No, 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 no. Right. Um, But the the point about novelty is great because uh, you you see churches that, uh, I call them box churches, where they have a very formulaic sort of appeal yeah. to church shoppers. Yep. Um, we've got what's going on here. Yep. We've got the we've got the right kind of lighting, the right kind of, uh, of you know space, yeah. uh-huh. um, the right kind of amenities, yeah. and we have attracted a bunch of church shoppers, yeah. and that yeah. lasts as long as that trend is hot, and if you don't change that trend, then they're going to go out the door to the next one. Yeah. That's not good. And that's not worship. And mm-hmm. that and that novelty is, um, I think, really wrecking some of our uh, understanding of church and worship. Absolutely. And so he's he's got a great corrective there. Yes. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I do want to uh, to acknowledge that there is roteness can occur. Yes. And that's not necessarily 
I don't think he's defending that. Do you? Well, it depends on what you mean by roteness, right? So uh-huh. there's, um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's going to be difficult for us to speak for him. And so right, maybe right. we could just talk um, uh, on our own. Roteness isn't um, necessarily good or bad, I think. I think it can be bad and it can be good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Roteness in worship. Right. Yeah, so there are, um, I guess it's, um, people have different affinities Yeah. for that. And there are some that want to say and do the exact same thing every worship service. Yes. Um, and that they they thrive and love that. Yes. And feel a sense of identity and uh, purpose and um, all the elements are, are serving them. Yes. And then there are people who can't stand any of it. Right. And they want more of an expressive um, uh, experiential worship. Yes. And I think that the, those two extremes need each other. Uh-huh. And they need to grow um, from and learn from each other. Because I think there's truth and falsehood on both of those extremes. Yes. And I will suggest that even the, that I'm uncomfortable even with the way that you have framed it. Mm-hmm. There are some people who want to worship this way and other people who want to worship this way. And, and, and you're talking about a level of comfort. So some people are comfortable this way and some people are comfortable this way. And I don't think that people's comfort is... Well, comfort maybe, but more of a, uh, the affinity. Uh, that, that's, I think that's more comprehensive than comfort. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. I think that's, that's helpful. Like, how, how am I best connecting to God? How do I best hear and appreciate the gospel? When I leave, uh, which way am I more um, inspired to believe and to act um, where do I feel like commissioned and, yeah. you know, like all the, the whole... Um, human experience of it. Yeah. So my understanding of worship is um, this is a way that God um, forms and reforms us in the image of Christ. Yeah? And if that's the case, uh, if that's what it is, then we are going and we are doing what he's asked us to do, to praise him, to read the scriptures, to reflect on it, um, the sacraments, prayer, uh, community, and communion. Uh, those kinds of things, adoration and, and worship, uh, those are things that in, in which he is going to come and change us and to make us more into the image of his son and to uh, bless us uh, thereby and to allow us to participate in communion with him. Okay? Mm-hmm. And so uh, if that's the case, then there will be things that I want to do or I have an affinity, I would say even have an affinity for that uh, need to be corrected, right? All of us, our desires and what I feel mm-hmm. is good for me uh, needs to change. And that's part of right. what a shepherd, pastor, pastor, of course, means yeah. shepherd. Um, we, are su- we are supposed to, shepherds are supposed to order worship services in such a way that they are discipleship and, and helping to form people uh, in a way that is not always comfortable. So leaving a particular worship service uh, I may or may not feel closer to God, and it's good. In the end, I want to be closer to God. That is the ultimate goal. There's no question mm-hmm. about that. It's not just to find fulfillment in my own thoughts or whatever, but right. it, to be closer to God. However, that may take some uh, breaking and some changing and some walking right. away where I say, boy, that was terrible. I don't, I don't feel closer to God at all. Right. But that's true for any sort of discipline. You know, we've talked a little bit about judo and, and, right. uh, you know, martial There's arts, sports. There, yeah. Sports. Yeah. There are times when you, when you walk away from a practice feeling completely defeated, but the coach knows this is going to open mm-hmm. up some things so that in the future we can win. Uh, right. Or something, you know, the coach, uh, right. for, for a team. And I think that that's kind of how we got to get the fundamentals down. You know, we might be, uh, we keep doing the same thing over and over again, coach. You know, why are you making us run wind sprints? Well, it's because this is what you need. Mm -hmm. Um, And so some of that rote is uh, helpful. But if a basketball team runs wind sprints and all they ever do is run wind sprints, um, or all they ever do is work on a jump shot and never anything else, and it's rote that way, it's a real problem, obviously. Yeah. But there's got to be some roteness to any team, and I think also to worship services. Right. There, there have to be um, there have to be some parameters and some forms. Yes. Um, yes. 
I, I think what I'm uncomfortable with is one person saying, these are the right forms, your forms are wrong. Oh, I see, yes. Um, and uh, I think that, so there are, there are different coaches for different teams. Yeah, um, yeah. And they, they do different drills. Right, exactly. And the drills uh, probably have a lot of overlap, and yes. a lot of, um, uh, but there's some variance. I'm liking this analogy. Yeah, and so it's, yeah, it's, it's working for us, isn't it? Um, and so I, you know, there's going to be, there are coaches that, that spend, um, a lot of time running in various yes. ways. Yeah. I have, I used to do that. I had to do it. And, um, as I've coached kids, I've started to say, okay, on my conditioning, they're going to have a ball in their hand because I'm going to kill two birds with one stone. Sure. Makes sense. Uh, all the conditioning is going to be them dribbling and yeah. you know, all that kind of stuff. Sure. So they're actually doing drills and getting the conditioning. Makes sense. Um, and so, uh, the forms themselves can be and should be evaluated yeah some are more helpful than others indeed um and but there are i think the best forms going back to what i was saying is the best forms are when you're when you go to a practice and you work hard yeah and you um and it changes you yes and you don't hate it yeah (laughs) right right those are the best practices yes and so um and that does involve some degree of affinity or... Um, sure. Yeah. And so uh, I think it changes when you get down to the nitty gritty. Okay. So what specific forms are we talking about here? Yeah. Oh, then, right. Then it's going to, you know, there are going to be some who uh, who say, yeah, I could do this a thousand times and uh, it's not... No. There's This is not doing a thing. Yeah. And then... Um, and there are others who say, I, you know, I could... If I live to be a hundred... Um, it would be too soon to sing this song again. Uh-huh. Um, you know? uh-huh. Yeah, when we get down to the nitty-gritty, you're exactly right. right. On the other hand, I'll say that just because I don't feel like doing this or I say I don't like it, I don't want – this is not doing me any good, that doesn't mean that it's not, right? It's This is the classic, yeah, I hear that. Um, this is the classic yeah. uh, karate kid, wax on, wax off, paint the fence, paint mm-hmm. the house, you know, sand the floor. And he's like, I'm just being your servant, man. Well, you know, he knows. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. And he's not explaining it yet. Um, but he knows what's what it is. Um, part of the reason I say that is because of my experience of seeing so many Christians at their at the very end of life. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you the number of ninety year old Christians that I have spent time with that have lost their mind, but they can sing Amazing Grace, and this is how they connect to God. Mm-hmm. How can they sing that? Because they've been singing that all their lives. Now, on the other right. hand, and that's and so they're they're working that into their muscle memory, right? It's it's yeah. uh, and. This is a way that they, or when when trouble comes, they know this is what I do. When trouble comes, I turn to the Lord, and it's because they've been reviewing this over and over and over again. My my nursing home patients that are Roman Catholic, I can pray with them, and when I pray the Lord's Prayer, they are right with me right. every single time, and and that's when tears come into their eyes and they feel close to the Lord. But I'll bet you anything that as they were saying, you know, the Rosary or saying whatever all the way through, it felt super boring. But now, okay, now it's time, and we're going to cash this in, and you're going to be able to feel comfort by connection to the Lord this way. Yeah, um, which I think is important. But earlier you were saying how we feel doesn't particularly matter. It's what God's doing to well, me. It, and, it, I, and I'm saying let's bring them together. Uh, fair enough. And yeah. I, I kind of want to bring them together, but I don't want us to— when I walk out of each individual worship service, that is not the time to evaluate whether that was a good worship service or not, because uh-huh. that's not the— That's a, and I, I can walk away yeah. from the practice saying, that was crap, that was that coach doesn't know what he's talking about. Right. But that coach might know. Yeah, and, and or I think it's really easy to see this in the sermon itself. Fair enough. Right. When uh, there there are sermons that could leave you downright angry and upset. Yeah. And that's exactly what you needed to hear. Yeah. And you walk away um, hearing exactly what you needed to hear, but you what you preferred was some emotional, you know, <laughs> Joel you, Osteen. Yeah. You you wanted to feel like you're walking on clouds when yeah. when it's over, and you didn't feel that way. Yeah. And, uh, and that's very valuable and a big piece of growth. Yes, right? that's right. And I think the same thing with worship services in general or with, with – well, that's discipleship, isn't it? That's discipleship. And so – but we have a – I think the American church is so consumer-driven that we say mm-hmm. this uh, – I know what I, I'm church shopping. I've heard that, that – you know, I used to right. meet with visitors all the time. Church, I'm looking for something where I can really worship. And when somebody would say that, I would say – Okay, uh, th- that's fine, but really what you need to be doing, I think, is looking mm-hmm. for a church w- where you can really grow, uh, yeah. which that's 
that was going to require worship. But when somebody says where I can really worship, that is so self-centered. Um, I can right. worship here because I feel good about what I'm doing here, and right. I don't feel good worshiping there because I don't feel good there when I, you know, they don't, right. I like this music and not that music. That's largely what they mean. That's largely Is what it, they mean. And that's, and that's part of what I think Yeah, I, I want yeah. to rail against. I, I hear you. I, I think that music is important. Yes. I think that how people are connecting in the music portion, it has value. Yeah. I think that, um, that can be well done or poorly done in whatever, uh, style. Yeah. Um, uh, obviously, uh, there have been times, and so I don't prefer high church. I don't prefer, prefer organ sound. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, there are times when some of the hymns sound like a carousel to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. You know, I just I yeah. can't get into it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when it's really well done, there are I have a deep appreciation. Yes, for the volume, good for the sound. Yes, yes, yes for yes. the power. Yes, uh, the, the the majesty of it. Like yes. I can I can appreciate that. Yeah, I can also appreciate ballet. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to spend a lot of money. Right, going to ballet. Sure. Because uh, even though I appreciate it, I don't really like it. Right. <laughs> right, right, right. And so, um, or like the opera. Yeah. I can appreciate what people can do with their voices, but man, I hate opera. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And so there you're starting to touch on what I would consider to be like uh, translation or even languages. And I don't mean mm-hmm. language just in like the English, Spanish, Chinese uh, although I mean, how that's to reach part people, of it, you're saying. but how to reach people, yeah. yeah. And so those art forms are how to reach people, and that's that's important. And so you get yeah. the organ music communicate. When I was in Miami um, as a hospital chaplain, every day I wore a clerical collar to the, to to work, and uh, that communicated something to people. And I actually like what it communicated. And we don't. I wish I had something now that I could wear. But if I wore that now to my patients here in Kentucky. It would communicate something I do not want to communicate. Right. Now, that's a message. There is a message I would like to communicate about who I am and what I'm there for and what I, how I can help. But there's not a uniform for me to right. wear. This this set of people doesn't have that language. So that's what that's kind of how I'm using the word language. And I think you're so we need to communicate. This was uh, what the Roman Catholics uh, in Vatican II said that uh, mass can be said now. In uh, languages other than La- other than Latin, we can say in, yeah. in, the, in the okay, that's really good. Yeah, right. That's wonderful. I want us you, to connect. You finally with the gospel. got there, guys. Finally got there. <laughs> yeah. So, I, so that was like meaningless. Wrote you could. There are people who memorized it, and, and right. I, and I understand the value of worshiping in the exact same language, saying the exact same words as, and there, thereby being unified with the entire church. Uh, across the world mm-hmm. and across history, and that there's something super valuable that is about that that is lost when we each speak our own languages. But I think there's something even greater gained, and so I'm all all about like yeah. let's speak people's language for sure. But but in doing that, let's not be a slave to people's right. comfort and say, I in the moment feel uh, disconnected from God. Therefore. Uh, nothing good happened. Right. Yeah, and people's preferences in the worship style yeah. um, and music yeah. selection, yeah. I think people put way too much emphasis on. Right? Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. Although I don't want to say that it's not important. It is. It I is do important. want to uh, feel like I have engaged all of my brain, yes. the, the emotional parts as well. Of course. Um, and if someone really loves organ music, who am I to say, hey, you really need to learn some of this? I, I, I oh, think, yeah. Yeah. I, then fine. You know, do it the way you like it. Yeah. I'll do church over here. Yeah. Um, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, I think that that it can theologically get squirrely mm-hmm. um, in terms of uh, people not learning mm-hmm. or, or cultivating the differences that, uh, that could mature them. Um, but if they just prefer this over that, uh, I don't have a huge problem. I think it, what you're saying, though, really does start to matter in the uh, in the forms of obedience in your life. Okay, yes. So, you know, I don't always feel like loving my wife well. 
you're hitting on something real important yeah. here. But if if um, if I wait, yeah, until I feel like it, yeah, um, I've heard one pastor say you're going to die a bitter old man. <laughs> That's you a know? great way <laughs> to put it. You're going to be alone and bitter and uh, isolated because if yeah. you're waiting to feel something romantic or or whatever in order to behave, yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Now everybody wants their their behaviors to flow out of this romantic yes. notion, yes, but. No, the forms have to be there whether the notion is or not. Exactly. And that's true for working a job. Yes. There are lots of people who will not keep a consistent job because they don't they get up in the morning and they don't feel like working. Right. Well, hello. Nobody feels like working in that's, the morning. That's right? why they have to pay you to be <laughs> yeah. there. But you have to do it. Yeah. And then there are times when when you get started that your emotions will follow. Yes. Um, yes. you know, when you go to practice there are lots of basketball practice I would have loved to have missed. Yeah, and I and my body was hurting or tired. And, oh yeah, but, but you get into it and you get going, and it's better. Yeah, and and that's true. The feelings can follow the forms, and the forms can follow the feelings. And it, but together, you know, it, when there is no feeling, what do you have? You have those disciplines. You have those forms. That's right. You have those those parameters, lines of obedience and disobedience. That's right. That you that you follow because God's worthy because it's true because it's yes. right yes yes and and in that way I think our society has lost a sense of duty yes and there is a there's a place for that yeah not the kind of duty that's in your drawers right now but the, <laughs> but D U T Y right yeah right 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 uh, I'll give you an example of that that was uh, from my own life I grew up in uh, fundamentalistic. Uh, very small independent Baptist churches. Southern Baptists, those were the liberals. Mm-hmm. Um, all of them, not just a wing of it. They were all right. liberal. Okay. Uh, and so we, we, it was King James only. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul, it's AB good enough for us. 1611 crowd, huh? 1611. Okay. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. And so uh, that's the, the, the sort of churches that we went to. We were not snake handlers, but we were not too far from that. Gotcha. You know, we looked down on them, but. Uh, Quite honestly, we're not too far from that. Yeah. Okay. Wait, hold on. Did you greet each other with a holy kiss? No. Okay. Definitely not. That would be inappropriate. <laughs> okay. Every sermon I remember growing up was about smoking and drinking and wow. uh, you know that kind of stuff. And, wow. Uh, yeah. That was that was. You're when telling I was... me a lot right now. It's, <laughs> okay. It's all coming together. It's all coming together. <laughs> when I was uh, okay, so. I could talk, there's a lot of craziness that comes from that. Yeah. Um, and that's not where the rest of my family is right now, and I'm glad for that. But that's that's what I grew up in. And uh, I remember going to seminary um, when I was at Dallas Seminary, and which is not that at all. Uh, that's more, more evangelical uh, kind of seminary. But I went to an Episcopal um, cathedral there in Dallas, the Episcopal cathedral in Dallas. And... John Stott was was had preached there um, just a little bit before, and I went for a uh, special Good Friday service. And the special Good Friday service, and this, and I never did anything quite like this. Super high church, super high church. And I never did anything quite like this, but it was a three hour service during the time that Jesus was on the cross on mm-hmm. that Friday. And there were seven sermons during that time, fairly short, but seven sermons, one on each of the seven sayings that Jesus had from the cross. Uh Seven different preachers, they were fairly short. And in between those, there was an enormous amount of repetition. We sang some songs, but some of the songs were very, very repetitious Mm -hmm. um, and not very interesting, very minimal music. Um, It was instruments, rather, and it was Uh mostly us singing. And I thought, what? I was with some friends I'd come with. And so I, I, if I wasn't with friends, I, I would have left. It was boring right. as hell. Yeah. It was awful. Huge stone building. The echo was terrible. And my mind was not, I was doing it because I'm like, okay, I, I want to learn about other traditions and I'm trying to branch yeah. out and I'm learning okay. in seminary, whatever. I'm going through it, but I'm like, what the hell is this? This is not my thing. And at the very end of the service, um, I've participated in this kind of service many times since then. Mm-hmm. At the very end of the service, is um, you have communion. And so we went forward and kneeling on a kneeling bench, and you open your mouth, and the priest comes by and all his vestments and sticks a wafer on your tongue, so you don't even do that. You just All you do is open your mouth. And then, the, then he goes on, and the other priest comes and then has a chalice of wine to lift up to your mouth. And I looked down at the chalice of wine, and it was blood red. And 
it just overwhelmed me, the blood of Christ, because he, he, he said, this is the blood of Christ. Mm-hmm. And I mean, there was just a flood, flood of emotions. And as I tasted the wine and then he moved on, I mean, I, I was just a, a mess. And I had not, I, hmm. there was nothing, I, there was, yeah. it was overwhelming and immediate right there. Uh, I had gone through all the motions and my feelings were not there. But they, but that worship service had been designed carefully over hundreds of years by people who were incredibly thoughtful to move me from where I was to that point, mm-hmm. where I felt this incredible gratitude and overwhelming grace of God, which is exactly what I want to feel in a religious experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's an example, and I've got many others like that, but of very carefully thought out. But then there was, in the moment, I mean, we're actually doing stuff. The people who were preaching a certain, it's not word for, everything's not word for word, but it is this very, it felt to me like wax on, wax off, paint the fence, and then like this huge revelation. Ah. You know, sometimes uh, when I've been on foreign missions and I don't speak Spanish, I've been in Spanish, you know, speaking areas of Guatemala and so forth. Yeah, yeah. Um, I am, uh, isolated to a degree. My mind is, is, uh, starts reaching. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's no English, right? Yeah. Right. right, right. Oh, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. And so, um, you know what I start remembering is a bunch of French that I took in high school. Okay. <laughs> Cause I didn't take Spanish. Sure. Right? Sure. But my brain starts remembering French that yeah. I have, I don't know how I would have remembered otherwise. Sure. And I think there is a, a mental function in that, like, what, that's what I was thinking when you spoke. Is that the almost the three hours is a uh, silencing of normal yes. things and a yes. Um, yes. a a droning uh, repetition that is that is leaving you searching in some mental capacity that you wouldn't be a hunger that you wouldn't have. Yes, um, in your normal life. Yes. And then, you know, then this is that moment. And that moment could have been different for different people at different times. Yeah, and that was, so I've done that, uh-huh. that kind of service multiple times since then. I've never had experience quite like that right. before, but there's something valuable that you're right, that take that time to sit slowly, mm-hmm. meditate, and it kind of forces your mind to do so. That's carefully designed to do that. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I would not want to do that all the time. No, um, and even in the highest of churches, they do that once a year. Right. Once a year would be a lot for me, I think. Okay. <laughs> but, um, you know, once every 10 years. Okay. Then I think it would, it would still, it would probably still have the same power or some parts of it that would, you know, a certain magnitude to it. Maybe. That, yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, that it's almost similar to trying to train kids to be enculturated. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't want to go to some performance. Uh, right, you know, right, uh, but but they need to, yes, and they need to experience this and they experience that, and they don't want to to read some of the classics because the language right. is so cumbersome, right, right, right. But we're going to do that, yes, um, and we're going to make that happen because it 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 makes your brain think differently, yes, and it has value, yes, and there there are so many rich uh, ideas, yes. that are in the classics that that frankly I don't see anymore, yes, that's right. Um, and so I, I, I think that that's yeah. There, there are people who have thought about things very carefully, and we should respect that. Absolutely. And if you have a very experiential form of worship, and it's just kind of like how I'm feeling, I want to have this emotional moment. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that that doesn't have value. Sure. But uh, you're missing a whole lot of other pieces that could really round out. Yeah. Yeah. your experience and understanding. That's right. And that's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, sometimes I think people don't want to have uh, communion every week because they think it's going to be rote, right? right. Mm-hmm. And and yet we have a sermon every week. Yes. We pray every week. We sing every week. We yeah. fellowship every week. Of course, yeah. that has more dynamics to it, the sermon yeah. and, the, and the fellowship. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I think there's a mix. Um, when it comes to the to the the supper, though, uh-huh. I really like every week. Yeah, um, I feel that it's it's uh, a means of grace. Yes, 
It has power in it. Yes. Uh, the mysterious. Okay, so I mm-hmm. I would prefer you say what you want to say. Yeah. Um, but I would prefer if you said I think it is a means of grace rather than I feel it's a means of grace. Maybe you do feel it. Um, and we're yeah. just talking about how our feelings are right. are deceptive and not don't yeah. lead us that well. We just had this episode too. About, I know uh, that's uh, why I'm correcting I know, you. I know it's your pet peeve. Um, you know what happened? I was I was trained. Uh-huh. I was actually trained um, to say I feel so that my thoughts would not be as offensive. <laughs> that that happened to me in real life. Okay. okay. Um, yeah, I've been trained to say I feel so that I can say whatever I want without, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> exactly, kind of, that's, yeah. I understand that. Um, so yeah, correct that all you want, because um, I'm don't. i not even aware when I say it. Okay. Um, but yeah, I, I know it's a means of grace. There you go, yeah, that's a better way to say yeah, it. Yeah, because the Bible says so, yes. and, um, and so I, uh, we, do that every week, although some people say it's so much more special when we do it quarterly. Yeah. Uh, you know, in Scotland, they do it twice a year mm-hmm. or so, and they make a really big deal of it. Yeah. And then with this this three-hour service, I'm saying, man, maybe once a decade for me. You yeah. know, like that would be enough. Yeah. Um, but uh, I don't think everyone's going to agree on that all the time. However, there have to be daily forms. Yes. Daily. Yes. Right? Yes. Um. And those are largely left upon each person to develop in their own spirituality. Yes. But I think people should be in the Bible daily. I think they should be praying daily. Yes, of course. Um, well, a lot of people don't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the Psalms, we see morning and evening. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, many, many of the Psalms talk about, I come to you morning and evening. Yeah. I think those those forms are um, they're really important. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, you're right. They they'll they will serve all the way through to the end, um, as they're they're pushed into deeper parts of your brain and become more automatic. Um, and uh, and yet, I don't want to. I I could never jump ship to a a fully uh, high church sort of say the Lord's prayer and several other things, Apostles' Creed every Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. Yeah. We need to be gracious in allowing there to be a a, a, a range. Yeah, I understand yeah. that. When you say the, uh, the Lord's Supper weekly, I, I agree with you um, for sure. And if it does become rote, that's okay. That's part of what the, the quote mm-hmm. I read at the beginning is saying, is that my feelings aren't always there. Right. But that's it's serving its that's, purpose. It's still serving its purpose, even if my feelings aren't there. The goal is for me to right. be an integrated person, so that my thoughts, feelings, and actions all work together. Right. But if one of them is missing, I still know that communion with the Lord is something He has commanded and an opportunity for me to experience grace, which doesn't necessarily include my emotions. And if it doesn't, it's because I am broken somehow, and this is how I'm going to be fixed. Right. So my actions. Will are in obedience to the Lord and right. to my elders, um, who God has put in charge of me yeah. for my care, and they're saying it is time to take the Lord's Supper. Okay, so I'm yeah. going to obey, and if my thoughts and feelings, thoughts and or feelings, are not in accord with my behavior, I can still obey with my behavior, right. with the hope that uh, that the grace that That's is right. going to come to me promised by the Lord Jesus uh, through my obedience will bring my thoughts and my emotions into alignment yep. with my obedience uh, because they're all important. Right. Uh, but to say I don't feel like it or it's not special to me now, that is irrelevant in right. my opinion. In fact, it's because you don't feel like it, that's why you need to right. do it. right. That's that is absolutely right, and it's absolutely vital if you want to keep a job, if you want to stay married, if you want to, uh, which is you know, yeah. My sermon two weeks ago was about the relationship yeah. of with God being yeah. like marriage and yeah. staying married, yeah, and daily accounts, right, right? yeah, and walking with Him uh, each and every day, yeah, and and so each and every week, yeah, you're absolutely right. How many times have you taken the supper? You didn't feel engaged. You wondered, am I even taking this in an unworthy manner? Yep, and then. Uh, in the midst of it, something happened. I, I can't count. It's all the time. It, it, it happens a bunch. Yeah. It happens a bunch. I remember um, 
there was another instance when I was at uh, Memorial Presbyterian Church, uh, where where Greg Johnson is the pastor now, mm-hmm. and he was not the pastor at the time, but he was in the worship service, so he was probably sitting close to us. And I remember uh, I was distracted or whatever, the same yeah. sort of thing as the other, but it's a tor- typical worship service. And somebody came by. Uh, we took the Lord's Supper seated there, and uh, I, I even remember who the elder was. And one of the elders of the church came, and I was on the end of the row, and so he gave me the the, the elements, and he said, "This is the body of Christ," or something. And and what he said was, "This is the body of Christ. This is your freedom." Mm-hmm. That's what he said. And I just I, I, there again, I just lost it, like I did uh, years previously. Mm-hmm. And my wife looked over at me. Um, and I was crying, uh, at, you know, as um, not sobbing. I wasn't loud, or but she could tell that I was crying. Um, and she said, "What? What happened? What? Did, what? Did you, and I couldn't even speak. I couldn't even say yeah. what it was. Yeah. And it was, it just hit me all of a sudden. And so there, yeah. those are some two that really stand out. But similar sorts of things that are not quite as strong that, okay, I'm just going to do this. But then, you know, quite honestly, other times I go and I'm obedient and I sing the songs and I raise my hands and I clap and I go through, and I feel nothing. Right. And I go to the Lord's Supper and I think, I know I'm supposed to be doing this, but okay, you know. Right. And I know that it's because of the hardness of my heart and I can't always, I can't always pin that down and know exactly what's going on. Right. I can't fix it. And I can't fix it in the moment. Right. Or All the, I can do is yeah, obey. The best you can do is follow the forms that can, that might help alleviate That's right. it. Yeah. That's right. And uh, just like wax on wax, the Lord has promised that he will meet us in this. He meets us in the word, in the sacraments, and in prayer, mm-hmm. in the context of community. I don't think I have ever sat down and read the Bible, and I mean not just let, let my eyes pass over the words and then get up, but being, sit there and think about the Bible— and read it slowly and carefully. I can't think of a, a single time that I didn't get something out of it. Hmm. I mean, it's always has something to say. There's always some piece that you didn't catch the last time sure. that the, the spirit illuminates. Hmm. Um, and I see that to a degree with things like the Lord's Prayer. Yeah. Um, like you said, that there's moments are fewer and far further between. The word is always living and active sure, for me. Sure, I remember one time praying the Lord's prayer, and the hour, Father, yeah, struck me. Yeah, that as we're standing there all together, yeah, that that we are children, we are brothers and sisters. Yeah, it's He is our Father, yeah. and the possessive yes. piece of that. Yes, He belongs to us, and we belong to Him. Yes, all that just kind of sunk in. Yes, as we said that word. Mm-hmm. But that's probably, you know, the the one time I can think of when I, I really felt that, like some sort of epiphany, yeah. mini epiphany, yeah. um, some sort of illumination yeah. in typical church forms. I don't have a lot of those, yeah. but the Bible every time. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. 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 I I would imagine that a lot of the church experience that you've had, knowing knowing your history, has not been a lot of the high higher church. Kinds of, th- of experiences, though. You know, I've probably had more than you than you think. Maybe. Um, okay. Yeah, and, and there is. I definitely appreciate it. Like I said, there there's um, there's something about that that is uh, this compelling, especially when I thought about my children being yeah. young. Yes. Yes. And the the kind of identifying pieces that it brings to bear. Um, there there's something to it. Yeah. Um, I remember when I when I left Philadelphia, I was um, in a little. Lutheran church, uh-huh. and I was looking at it because oh you know, right yeah yeah uh, you know Lutheran uh, churches there are different synods and some of mm-hmm. them are we're not going to agree with and some of them we sure. were, were really 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 close really close yeah uh-huh. um, and so they were needing a pastor and I was needing a job and I was looking at it yeah and I, I went there a bunch with my family uh-huh. and they sang the same song uh-huh. before the Lord's Supper yeah and it was a song I'd never heard before okay haven't heard since yeah. Um, and it was about uh, that we were like wheat in the mm. field. Mm. And I wish I knew the name of it because I'd look it up and yeah. you know play it for you or whatever. But um, it was, it, I could tell it was older, you yeah. know, like uh, for some people maybe a bit campy. Okay. Um, but it it had a truth to it yeah. that is not often brought to bear. Okay. Um, in terms of like the community the body of Christ. Yes, yes, um, yes, yes. And so there's something that, that was really growing on me. Yes. And I wanted to sing that song yes. every week. And I'm sure maybe some people who have done that for a couple of decades did not. Yes. Um, 
But you see what I'm saying? You see where I'm Absolutely. going? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 yeah it had a power to it. For sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And, you know, those, those strong forms, you know, something we haven't touched on that the strong forms are helpful for is that they, they do bind communities together. Uh, and uh, so I'm going to say, when you go to another church and they're saying the Lord's Prayer the way you're saying the Lord's Prayer, uh, I've said it many times, you've said it many times. Okay, so we go to a church and like, okay, I'm a part of this group. So that's the different communities. But then also this particular Lutheran church you're talking about, mm-hmm. I don't think that, I've been to Lutheran churches. They don't all sing that song right, right before communion. Right. It's just that one song. Right. That one. I was at a PCA church, a Presbyterian church uh, in our denomination, where they sing the exact same song after the benediction, uh-huh. always a cappella, right. and it's always in a uh, some sort of round, and no one even leads it. Like as soon as a, somebody says a benediction, the left side of the church starts to sing this song, right? <laughs> and it's about we are the body of Christ, the fellowship, and we enjoy being together. And now the Lord is sending us apart, and it was beautiful, beautiful song. But w- I went there a few times to that congregation, and I we had I had no idea what was going on, but right. it was beautiful that everybody there knew that they belonged, they knew what it was, and they and they everyone just are a part of this. And it felt like the culture and it felt like, you know, yeah. That kind of thing is really, really valuable. Yeah, it's funny being at Grace and Peace yeah. here in Kentucky. Yeah. Uh, that we've had a number of people who have visited um who have been more experiential or more Baptist and they they say they uh they're not used to such high church. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I, I get a chuckle out of that every time because, you know, we are we are not high church. No. Um, you know, but it's, we have more forms than they're used to. I see. And, uh, you know, the passing of the peace and, the you know, the, the Lord's Supper, namely, are two yeah. big ones. And, you know, there are things that I say over and over. And, yeah. Um, yeah. And we certainly keep the same sort of pattern, the same, you know, liturgy. Similar, yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And yeah. Uh, we have a confession of sin. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So they they felt like, man, this is... So rigid. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's just not their experience. It's just different. It's mm-hmm. just different. It is rigid. And so many people are rigid. It's interesting that you would say that we don't have um, high liturgy, but our the worship of our unique church, like so many other churches, is very, very rigid. When I was um, uh, growing up, the churches that I was growing up, like I said, the, um, uh, the independent fundamental Baptist church, churches, uh, they would say that we're just listening to the Holy Spirit. The pastor, in fact, right. would say, uh, it is improper for me to prepare for a sermon. Right. Um, that That is against what the Lord wants, because that's me coming up with what I want to say. I just want to read the scripture yes. and just let the Holy Spirit speak through I've me. I've heard that argument. Yeah. yeah. And so it just turns out that the Holy Spirit every single time preaches the exact same sermon, and it's about smoking uh-huh. and drinking and, and <laughs> dipping right. and whatever. Right. Okay. And they would say the same thing about the music or whatever. Uh, like, we're just going to play this. And that we, we had an altar call invitation, just as uh-huh. I am, you know, at the end. Uh, that They would say it's super low church. But I can it like follow in the, the exact every moment. Time. I, I got know you. we we end at the exact same time. Yep. We do the exact same thing. It's definitely every got time. a liturgy. Say it doesn't, but it does. It absolutely yep. has liturgy. And our church also has this very specific liturgy, and it uh-huh. takes an enormous amount of work to be more creative and to help. Uh, yeah, you know, when it comes to the order of worship, yeah, I hate rearranging it. Do you? I hate it. I can see that. Yeah. I, for what it's worth, I love rearrange. When I was a, when I was a pastor, uh-huh. I, okay, I don't want to. I am absolutely on board. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah. I don't no, want to change you anything. Speak you, your mind. You are yeah. my pastor, and I am happy to do. God has ordained you, and I. Okay, when I was a, when I was a pastor of a church, we had like uh, sixteen to twenty very specific liturgies mm-hmm. that and then where we could plug and play kind of songs and this is you right. know for different forms. Yeah. And so then we would do like uh and they and there were different ones for different seasons. And so like for the Easter season of eight weeks there, it that every year those eight Sound, felt kind of right. similar, but there were some different liturgy, yeah. different thing, elements in there, and it's like it was constantly changing. But then there was a lot of 
I did yeah. a lot of my doctoral work on the history of liturgy and right. you know that right. kind of thing. And I love looking at those things in yeah. order to use strong forms, but to keep them fresh, so that as we go through them, it sounds really familiar, but you don't know quite what to expect next. Yeah. I so, love it. I oh love gosh, it. Oh gosh, I can't stand it. I uh, we just had this service where we ordained people. Yeah, yeah. and it was f- from the BCO. I followed the BCO's uh-huh. order, you know, our book of church order uh-huh. um, on how that service should be run. Yeah. So I put the sermon early. Uh-huh. It, but you know, it's, it's like it, it's a very different order. Very different. And and I hated it. I hated it. Wow. I know. That's a, those are strong words, huh? I mean, I. It is so. It feels to preach a sermon after singing two or three songs. Um, feels so out of place to me. It feels so unnatural. Um, okay. I, yeah. And and when I'm when I'm listening uh, to a service like that, I don't like the sermon coming too early. Um, you want it to come late. I do. I want it to be later in the service. Now this yeah. is interesting. I've never heard you say <laughs> I that. Know you've never heard me say that. In fact, I've heard you say the exact opposite. Oh, in what way? Uh, yeah. Back when we were in seminary. So this is uh-huh. twenty years ago. I remember you saying. Uh, because I got this idea from you uh, to put the sermon earlier in this in the because I typically when I order a service, we're trusting your memory on this. I am trusting okay. my memory because here's what you said. You said that uh, he, you said often um, my heart when I go into worship services is very cold and I uh-huh. need it to be warmed up before I can sing uh, very expressively and sing because mm-hmm. a lot of our songs are very much about the relationship that we have with God individually or mm-hmm. or uh, as a corporate body or whatever, or my devotion to God, or I'm going to do this for God, or I'm thankful for his redemption, those kind of songs. And, so I just don't, and you said, I just don't feel that yeah. until a sermon uh, warms up my heart. And I'm, and so you said, yeah. uh, the way that I think that the church that you were at in seminary did is that they would sing more afterwards. That got into my mind completely. Mm-hmm. When I was a pastor, we would typically yeah. sing one or two songs before the sermon and three or four after the sermon. Yeah, that that is true. I I, I did say that. You and that, said that. That is true. Yes. In that um, it's actually the, the sermon does well if it's a good sermon. Uh-huh. Um, the supper does better. Okay. And so if we go from the sermon to the supper, yeah. then I'm really ready to sing. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you 100%. I'm really ready to sing. But um, uh, early on in the service, there are times when you start with uh, the glory of God, and I'm not feeling the glory of God. Fair enough. And, and Same so, for me. Same for me. Yeah. And so may, instead of a sermon to start the service, maybe there's something else. Maybe there's a more elaborate call to worship. Maybe there's a... Um, oh, I got a hundred ideas. Yeah. We need to talk if yeah, you're yeah. interested. <laughs> so, so it's interesting now that that I, I'm at this age yeah. and at this station of life. Yeah, I just I just don't even care what I think. I mean, what I feel anymore. Yeah, I, I just don't worry about it. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just I'm doing what you know uh, what what I know and what I do, and uh, uh-huh. I've, I've kind of lost interest in uh, stirring my emotions. I see. I want to stir. I mean, I like to feel. Yeah. Um, it's just that as I get in, as you get older, you feel less and less. Hmm. I remember going, I think I've told this story, but I went to, uh, uh, I was at a yard sale yeah. and, uh, this kid came up and there was a little Buzz Lightyear toy from a Happy Meal. Yeah. And he said, they've got Buzz Lightyear. Yeah. And he just like his whole body <laughs> writhed with excitement and anticipation. Yeah. And there was an elderly man there who, um, who heard it. Everyone heard it. The whole, the whole place heard Everyone it. Everyone who was there, yeah. Yeah. And I said to him, I said, boy, don't you wish you could feel like that about something again? And he said, Lord, yes. Mm-hmm. Lord, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just the, the energy and excitement of youth. Yes. Uh, it, it, it does. And, and maybe that's um, uh, there's probably a testimony in a sermon and a, and a lesson there, right? Uh-huh. Um, but uh, I've just, I just don't concern myself with it like I used to when I was younger. Hmm. For, for better, for worse. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's because I'm running the show, right? Maybe. If, if I go to a church, I probably I start to feel like, hey, you know what would better connect me? This or this or this. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when, you're, when, you're, when you've been preparing it all week yeah. and you've been writing the sermon, yeah. you've been conditioned all week. Yeah, fair enough. And there are times when you get there, you know, you're preaching a sermon and you're the most emotional uh-huh. in the room. Yeah. Because of the work that's been right. done throughout the week, yes, to get you ready, yes, um, you know, and, and Brian Chapel used to say, "You're not ready to preach a text until you have you gotten angry or you've cried about it." Uh huh. You know, like it's moved you right. emotionally, right? Then, then you still haven't done enough studying, right? 
And well, of course, you can't do that in a church service. You can't rile everyone to that point. Sure. But I have noticed it's late in the service when I am when I am touching my emotions. Yeah. And early in the service, you know, I'm just like, I don't know, disconnected. Yeah, yeah. Disassociated. I'm tired. Whatever. You know. Yeah. And I, I've it 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 works for the day too. Yeah. I'm more emotional at the end of the day than the beginning of the day. Fair I wake enough. up in the morning. I have point. very little emotion. Yeah. It's, you know, when I've been living and awake and got some food in me and some stuff's happened, you know, then I'll start to, you know. To warm up a little yeah. bit. Yeah. I, I think that uh, I have similar experience to you as that, but I would think in a worship service, it's not because you're getting tired as you get to the end, but rather I think it is, the analogy, the better analogy I would have is that when you first start a movie that you don't know much about, you're not that invested in the characters, yeah. and so you're not, there's nothing that really can happen that's emotional. Occasionally, a movie yeah. will, like the very first scene would be, it yeah. really pulls you in, but that's right. hard right. to do. Absolutely. You're exactly right. I mean, I'm not talking about fatigue by okay. the end of the day. I feel more awake and more alive at okay. the end of the day. Okay. And therefore more emotional. Well, I'm tired and cranky in the morning. Fair enough. <laughs> fair enough. That makes perfect sense. That's when I'm tired, when I gotcha. get out of bed. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, uh, I think a worship service, the analogy with a movie of telling a story, a carefully crafted movie is going to take you yeah. on, a, on a journey That's right. from uh, introducing you to the characters, to the location, to the, to the conflict, mm-hmm. to the situation, and have a cohesive story um, that go. I mean, you know, uh, every romantic comedy is the same exact freaking movie, but some people do it better than others. Right. And so even though you know, if you're going to sit down and watch a romantic comedy, you know what the story is. You already know what the story is. And so you go in, but you got to learn the characters, and here it is. And so you bring these specific themes um, through the worship service, and then by the time you get to the end, then you really want these two yeah. people to come together. And you know that they will, but when they do, boy, it really moves you if it's done yeah. well. And that's, I think, similar to a worship service where you yep. start at the beginning, you don't care about what's going on, but the, but, but the worship leaders should draw you in and tell the story of redemption from creation to fall to redemption to recreation mm-hmm. and uh, it, using particular themes. And if it's artfully done, right. I just kind of follow into that. And by the end, I can't help but to sing the glories of right. God. I think uh, following this analogy, which I like, yeah. is um, you know a good movie. I yeah. think has a hook at yeah. the beginning, right? Oh yeah, it captures your attention. It yes. may not be the storyline, right? Fully, totally, but it's going to hook you yes. and, and and capture your thoughts immediately. That's when I when I preach a sermon, and when I've heard other people preach sermons, yeah, I say after you've read the text and you've prayed, like you're getting into your your yeah. sermon, you should have a story immediately. Yeah, you need something that captivates, and the story should have some some uh, what Brian Chapel calls fallen condition focus. I right. like that. Sure, sure, sure. Like uh, there should be some conviction. There should be some. You yeah. need to hear this. Here's yeah. why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, if that's not there. My mind will zone out very early in a sermon. Yes. And then I'll just be thinking about something myself from the text, right? If someone's going to keep my attention, they need to have that piece. Yeah. They, I need that kind of uh, yeah. that hook. And so I think going back to a worship service, I would love to hear your ideas about uh, how to better engage. Because you know what I do is I have a moment of silence. Mm-hmm. And I say, you need to reflect on who God is yep. for a moment. Yep. And that has uh, served me better than not having it there. Okay. And uh, I try to, the call to worship, I try to uh, pull from the Psalms, which tend to connect to me better uh-huh. and probably to most people emotionally better than, than but you you know, the idea of a worship service is you're, you're walking in to the glory of God. Isaiah 6, right? Yes. I'm, I'm in the presence of God and we yes. should be undone. Yes. But we, but he's not here with us bodily. Right. And we are broken, and we wake up, and especially me, I wake up grumpy and apathetic, mm-hmm. and um, it takes a while to mm-hmm. get through that mm-hmm. that exterior. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's really hard for any any hook or initial. How do I how do I grasp the magnitude of the glory of God? Yes, uh, from a cold start. And uh, another piece to that, which goes right along with this this uh, episode is what are we doing throughout the week to lead into Sunday oh, morning? Man. Yeah. Cuz I right. just said when I'm preparing a sermon, I've been conditioned all week yes. and I'm ready for that service. Yes. Now, not everyone's going to know what I'm preaching on or yes. be able to to study the text. Right. But are they spending time with God such that Sunday is a follow-through and yes. not their once a week dose of Jesus? Yeah. Right. And and so how you treat the Sabbath and how you treat 
worship and church and what you think about it really matters day to day. But even there, like every morning I wake up this way. Uh-huh. You know, I don't, some people wake up like a vampire, you know, <laughs> and they're, they can't wait. I mean, you probably, you can probably get all out of bed and get busy, right? You're like, I'm pretty good about, yeah, yeah I'm morning a morning person. Have I'm energy. a morning person. They, they love the morning. They have energy. They're productive. They yeah. think clearly. Yeah, that's when I'm, that's, Th- that's, that's me. not me. I don't I care what not. time I get up. I know it's not. Yeah. 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 I'm cranky. Yeah. <laughs> in the mornings, but then you yeah. get going and, yeah. and that's End fine. Of the day, yeah. I get that. I get yeah. that. Yeah. Right. If you want to have good conversation with me, make it at bedtime, you know, late. Okay. Yeah. I'm not I'm not uh, engaging you You'll at You'll be bedtime. falling asleep, right? <laughs> well, no, I, I was thinking, like, we're not sharing a bed. I mean, it's, yeah. um, <laughs> you can have, yeah, we're not. Uh, you sicko. <laughs> <laughs> you were the one who said it. <laughs> Hey, this is Dave at the Hopper Podcast. Are you tired of people being divisive, angry, or even cruel to each other, especially to those with whom they disagree? At the Hopper Podcast, we want to bridge people together and listen to opposing views so we can all grow. If this sounds like a good idea to you, please like, subscribe, and share the Hopper with someone right now. Thanks. Dave, I want to let you know about a retirement um, just recently uh, that is actually pretty important. Uh, someone mm-hmm. has re- has retired. Uh-huh. Uh, his name is Diego, uh, and he is a tortoise. Oh, okay. Diego the tortoise has retired. Go-Go Diego or Dora's brother or whatever. Right, 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 right. Uh, uh-huh. At some point we were talking about uh, monkey slaves and, right. and other uh, this animals. Is a, a tortoise. A tortoise. Mm. And his job was to repopulate the tortoise uh, society. So about fifty years ago or so, the society was decimated. Yeah, it mm. was. It was uh, about fifty years ago um, on this particular island in the Galapagos, where okay. these unique turtles are, yeah. tortoises are. There were only two males and twelve females left. Okay, of this tortoise um, in their homeland of this one island where they okay. the, now is that what was that from? What environmental pressures were pushing them out? That's a good question. Well, it was goats. Oh, the, the goats. The goats. And so the goats and the turtles were, were competing for food. Okay. And so the, the tortoises were dying out because the goats were prevailing there. Uh-huh. And when people recognized this, then they then they then um, the goats were, I think, not supposed to be there. And so they removed the goats, but the tortoises didn't do much. Yeah. Um, they were so spread out on this island. Right. It's not populated with people, but there's only two males and 12 females, and you know they, yeah. they didn't find each other a whole lot. So um, there had been uh, a few of these tortoises that had been removed from the island to go to zoos and that kind of thing. So, okay. they, so they brought this one named Diego uh, to back to be a third male. Yeah. There weren't many that were around the world, but they, Diego was able to be moved to be rehomed back to where he uh-huh. had been taken as a young tortoise away to a, a zoo. Yeah. He's back uh, from the San Diego Zoo. And when he got there in about 50 years ago now, mm-hmm. he went bananas. He went to work. He went he to work. He was living the dream. With these 12 females. Diego, the bachelor. Yes. Um, he weighs about 175 pounds. He's a pretty big boy. Yeah. And and just recently, he finally is going to retire. They're going to take him uh, somewhere else, I think. Uh-huh. And part of the reason is because the tortoise population now is up over 2,000 on the island. Go, go, Diego. And paternity tests say that he, by himself, is responsible for 40% of that yeah. growth. Okay. Uh, he is noted for uh, being quite aggressive, active, and vocal in his mating habits. Okay. <laughs> um, he he likes to uh, apparently. I mean, he's just like, yeah, he's just going at he's it. He's a regular all Hugh Hefner. The time. He he will. I mean, yeah. Apparently, he is just like every day having sex and making babies yeah. and finding you know go, looking around for some female who is uh available uh-huh. for him to impregnate and basically by himself has uh gone th- this uh, tortoise population has gone from 
almost extinct, almost gone, to now it is, I wouldn't say thriving, but it is a healthy population that is going to survive easily because of the work of one tortoise who's 100 years old now, Hmm. and he's going to retire. Yeah. You know, I have seen a giant tortoise from the Galapagos at the Philadelphia Zoo. So when the kids are little, we went to the zoo a lot. We went to lots of different zoos. But we lived in Philadelphia. We'd go there, and there was a, an enclosure that had some, some giant tortoises. Yeah. And, um, we, uh, we were standing there watching, and I heard this, this sound, like a scream. You okay. Know? This, uh, uh, I, I can't, I'm not sure I can duplicate it. Yeah. It was, ah, kind of sound. Okay. You know? and, uh, like breathy? Kind yeah, of, real yeah. breathy and like, ah. Okay, with some voice, yeah, some, crackly, some, yeah, know. some kind of vocalization going on there. It, it's not, it's not quite a scream. It's not quite a moan. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but I, I'm looking for the source of the sound, and I realize it, there's a turtle, yeah, a tortoise, a giant tortoise, tortoise yeah. mounting another one. Okay, and as he's as he's doing his thing, he's, his neck is stretched out and his mouth is wide open. He's making the sound. Okay, okay, <laughs> he's he's the one vocalizing, and it it sounded. I mean, the, the, they they're huge and cumbersome huge. and overweight looking, and yeah. they they look old. They're all wrinkly, and yes, they just yes, look, yes, yes. They just even look when like they're a, young, they look yeah, old. They yeah. look like they're dinosaurs. You know, right, right. And and so it's it it just has this geriatric feel to yeah, it that's yeah. un- unsettling, right? Okay. And of course, the kids are like, Dad, what's that turtle doing? Yeah, <laughs> you know? of course. And I'm like, well, <laughs> he's having a good time. Yes, yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. So I, I, maybe it was one of his uh, one of his offspring. Well, that's a possibility. The, the impression that I get from reading, I've just gotten a couple articles here, but reading about it is that they, they're not taking tortoises off of that island right now uh but that may have been uh you know one of his friends from childhood or something uh maybe a different breed maybe a different breed because because on the galapagos islands there are different tortoises and so they're trying to uh save this one species but yeah diego is uh really going after it and good for him (laughs) and i'm glad that he can retire i don't know if it's a forced retirement uh, yeah, there, there may, you know, they may be the the females may all be upset. Um, maybe he needs a little blue turtle pill. <laughs> I don't know. He's, <laughs> he just he aged can't, out. He can't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a possibility. Right. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, oh man, <laughs> wow, that's um, yeah, we talk about things that matter and things that don't. Yes, I'm glad that the tortoise population is back, and I'm also it's it's fun to uh, think about a tortoise that had a great life. Thanks for listening to the Hopper Podcast. You've made it to the end of this week's episode. Congratulations. You win the first 15 seasons of the classic TV show Lassie, all on VHS. Lassie. Hey, Lassie's great. To claim that prize, write us at thehopperpodcast at gmail.com or record a short voice memo on your phone and send it to thehopperpodcast at gmail.com. Join us next time where we'll discuss the joys of COVID nose blindness. There are some joys. There's some benefits. Absolutely. Some real benefits. Be sure to like, subscribe, follow, and join our Facebook group for more Hopper goodness. The Hopper Podcast is sponsored this week by The Cornballer, now available in Sudden Valley Homes. The Cornballer. The Cornballer. You, what? <laughs> What's you, the Cornballer? You don't know The Cornballer? No. He sponsored us? He sponsored us. It's a him? It's an it, I think. Okay. Yeah. It's like the leprechaun. Do you really not know The Cornballer? No. That's going to be a call out. Does this have to do with cornhole? <laughs> <laughs> it's from Arrested Development. It's a, it's, uh, oh, okay. I've only seen like a season of that. Okay. It yeah. is, it is one of the most hilarious jokes. Uh, a, a product called the cornballer. Hey, I got to tell you a story. Good, it's a good one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I got to tell you a story. I don't know if we're going to put it at the end of the episode or not. All right. But, all right. Uh, so I'm at a family event. Okay. And this is when cornhole has just come out. Okay. And some of my family is out playing this game, yeah. which which me and my cousin, who's a, a real urbanite, yeah, uh, have not really heard of. Okay, and uh, someone in my family 
has got, a, you know, there's some Southern draws. Yeah. And so we're sitting there talking inside and outside. Occasionally we hear something go like this, cornhole. And we're like looking at each other like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and then we sit there and we keep talking. And a little bit later, cornhole. <laughs> <laughs> and my, my, my urbanite cousin that goes, what the hell? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> What are they doing out there? What's happening? Is, are we in the same family? I don't know. First time I heard about cornhole, somebody said, "We're gonna. Uh, would you like to come over here and play cornhole?" And I was like, "Pardon? No. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I don't hmm? get the joke, but no, I don't." Yeah. And they're like, "No, no, we're really playing cornhole." I'm like, "All right, have fun with that." Yeah, jeez, I had no idea. What you remember it was. that video game a long time ago called Hunt the Wampus? Hunt the Wampus. Hunt yep. the Wampus. I do. <laughs> Hunt the I Wampus. Is that the Wampus is worth hunting? Right? It's <laughs> the Wampus must be desirable because we're, we're going to hunt after it. <laughs> I thought the Wampus was coming after you, and you had to. Defend, know, yourself. You defend yourself. Defend yourself against the I don't know. Yeah. I don't remember it really well. the The name of the game was much more interesting, than <laughs> right? The, the actual game. The <laughs> Seems like I looked it up at one point, and you can play it online. But it's like from really, really early computer days. Yeah. And so, like, it's ridiculously simple. Yeah. Uh, the wampus is like uh, a set of parentheses with a colon in between yes, or something. Yes, exactly. <laughs> There's the wampus. Oh, no, it's the wampus. <laughs> is, is that a creature? Or am I supposed to want the... I don't know. Do I want to hunt the wampus? I don't get it. 